Hello. Welcome to episode number 36 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, and I am here with my co-host, the wonderful, the extroverted, yet simultaneously introverted, actually that's not true, <laughs> extroverted, Vala Offshore. Vala? Hi, Michael. How are you? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. And today we have a special guest. Superb. Superb guest. Superb guest. Kristen Russell, who is the CIO of the state of Colorado. Hi, Kristen. Hello. It's great to be here. It's great. Hi, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So, Vala, this week you and I were both hanging out in San Francisco. It's amazing, you know, it's like this is episode number 36 and we see each other in different places and we're still talking to one another. I'm starting to think you're following me. <laughs> I'm thinking you're stalking me. Well, yeah, we were at. Uh, just we don't were stalk at... them. Don't just don't stalk me. You guys can do that together. Just oh yeah. Okay. Leave me out of it. <laughs> Kristen, we were at Dreamforce, um, yeah. which I know you were planning to attend, um, yeah. and it, I think it was over 130,000 people uh, in San Francisco at the Salesforce.com conference, and. Just an amazing, amazing conference. Lots of thought leadership. And uh, Michael, you were saying you met some pretty spectacular um, companies, including startups. Yeah, you know, I, I visited with a whole bunch of different startups, and three really caught my attention. Now, it's it's impossible to say three out of so many are are the best, but these guys caught my attention. And before I say who they are, let me give the the appropriate disclosure. There are no disclosures because there's no financial relationship here whatsoever. These are three startups that I met that I thought were pretty interesting, that had an interesting product, that had excitement and passion and energy behind it, and the vision was clear. I love those traits. So the three startups are Invoca, at Invoca, I-N-V-O-C-A, and Invoca has a very simple idea. They take calls, inbound calls, and they make them transparent and visible and clickable, uh, just like links, like uh, web links. So I thought that was pretty neat. The second one is Advocate, A-D-D-V-O-C-A-T-E. And Advocate has a platform to help employees get the word out for their company on social media. And it's pretty neat. And then the third one is IntroHive, I-N-T-R-O-H-I-V-E, which has a platform for social selling to map connections amongst employees to help amplify the relationships during the selling process. So I just had to bring forth these three great startup companies because we are big advocates of innovation here. Great, great. So, Kristen, uh, would you mind sharing with us and, and our audience a little bit about your background and, and, and your role as the uh, Secretary of Technology and Chief Information Officer for State of Colorado? Yeah, great. So, thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm the Secretary of Technology and CIO for the State of Colorado. I was appointed in February 2011 by Governor Hickenlooper and um, had no zero interest of going into government, let me just, for the record, okay? Um, and there's a story behind that, we can get into it or not. Um, didn't, but, he read a, didn't he send you a poem? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, In fact, right. I, I, I should grab it, it's right on the back of my desk. 
Um, yeah, I, I had no interest in going into government. I was actually, um, before this job, I was at Oracle, and I was um, head of Oracle's global data centers and computing operations worldwide. So all of the infrastructure that ran the company internally, and then the infrastructure that supported um, Oracle's cloud computing environment at the time, CRM on demand, Oracle University. And I was going about my business very happily at Oracle, I will note you. And um, I got a call from Governor Hickenlooper's transition team. And a colleague of mine, in, who's a CIO in the state, um, not at state government, but in the Colorado tech uh, industry, called me. And I was coming back from an international flight from Tokyo. I'm a little bit sleep deprived. And he said, Kristen, we have this incredible opportunity. Um, we, For the first time in the state of Colorado, we've actually combined the CIO role um, being responsible for all of the information systems across um, state government, combined with the Secretary of Technology, which is the head for IT economic development across the state, attracting new tech companies and tech workers. And, and the problem is we can't really find the right person with the right skills for that. So I immediately kind of go through my mental Rolodex. Have you called this person? What about this person? And he said, I... I, I don't even, I don't think you know what I'm asking you. Um, I want to know if you would do this job. And I was wow. like, government? I don't do government. <laughs> I don't know anything about government. He said, Kristen, wait. You'll forever be known as Madam Secretary, and you'll be on the governor's cabinet. Wow. And um, I said, I don't know what a cabinet is, other than that something's in my house. And I have no interest in being a secretary, ever. Like, that's not where my career's going. Um, so anyways, I, I ended up thinking, well, you know, I, it's kind of an interesting story for my two young girls. I'll just go talk and meet the governor. Um, and my husband had said, you know, we're not doing this. This doesn't fit into our financial plan as a family. Um, and I said, no, 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 we're not going to do it. I just... I, uh, I, I'll just talk to him, meet the governor, and then I'll shut him down. So I sit down with the governor and the lieutenant governor and his chief of staff, Roxanne White, and his first question was, why do you want this job? And, of course, I was like, yeah, why would I take this? Yeah, that, that's the question I posed back to you, governor. Why would I ever take this job? And he leaned across his desk, and he pulled out a book of poetry um, a collection of poems by Garrison Keillor, and he goes to read me this poem by Marge Piercy called To Be of Use. And I'll just, and I'll just say to you guys online, because you're my friends now, it was a long poem. It was a little <laughs> awkward, I'm just saying. Um, and the last stanza of the poem reads, the pitcher that cries for water to carry the person for work that is real. Wow. And it just struck me that I was at this point in time in my life where, you know, I've taken jobs because of two reasons. One, because I felt like I could learn something, and the second, because I could add value. And clearly, this was one of those situations where I said, you know, I think, I think I'm supposed to go do this. And uh, so I got home that night. My husband welcomes me at the door. Um, and said, so you shut him down, right, because that was our plan, to shut him down. And I was like, yeah, not exactly. That's not exactly what happened. 
He said, how could you do this? And I said, he read me a poem. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> so that's, that's the story. That's, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful, wonderful story. Thank you for sharing. There can't be, there cannot be many uh, CIOs that have been hired by the governor who read them a poem. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. so tell us now, you're, you have, in a sense, two sets of uh, overlapping interests, right? One is running the CIO, the, the IT infrastructure of the state, and the second relates to innovation in the state. And both of those are kind of interests, is that correct? Yeah, so um, I think that's what really attracted me to the role because um, I've been in IT for a long time. Prior to Oracle, I was with Sun Microsystems for many, many years. And um, I, it, the state, the Colorado, Colorado is actually one of the few states that has legislation that backs the consolidation of IT. So a lot of states have separate IT organizations across every single executive branch. And in Colorado in 2008, we actually passed legislation that said we are going to consolidate IT across all of these agencies. So um, my internal customers are 22 agencies across the state of Colorado, everything from Department of Agriculture to Department of Revenue to Department of Transportation. And um, how do you help this organization, which is fairly nascent, a little bit like a startup, um, learn and leverage technology solutions so that government can be more effective, more efficient, and more elegant in serving the citizens of Colorado. And then the other hat that I wear is as Secretary of Technology, I'm responsible for leading the IT economic development strategy for the state. So how do we actually help grow Colorado's technology landscape? How do we showcase Colorado as being one of the most innovative states in the nation? How do we grow tech workers to the state? Um, and that's really fascinating to me because there is this confluence or convergence um, between the CIO role and how the CIO role can really um, add to economic development and vitality for a community. Now, you, do you, I believe you chair the Colorado Innovation Network Board of Advisors. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, Governor Hickenlooper is um, an incredible leader, and he, for any of you that don't know his background, he was a, he was a, a geologist that got laid off, um, came to Colorado, got laid off, and he and a bunch of his friends decided to start a craft brewing company, and it ended up growing to be one of the, the fastest growing and most successful craft brewing companies in um, the entire nation. And uh, so he, he's definitely an entrepreneur um, at heart. And his idea of COIN, which is the Colorado Innovation Network, was to really help to identify Colorado as the most innovative state. And to do that, we need to leverage Colorado's assets. We have over 24 um, federal laboratories. We have an incredible university system. And how do we connect that plus government and um, the business community to really create the right ecosystem to breed and grow and develop innovation across the state. And you know, I, I have to tell you guys, it's incredible what's happened in Colorado. I've been here since I was seven, and you know, we just a couple weeks ago, um, a study came out that said the, the of the top ten entrepreneurial communities in the nation, and Colorado had 40 percent. So top you know, four of the top ten were in Colorado. We have a startup every 72 hours in Colorado. Uh, third wow. highest uh, concentration of software development engineering talent in the nation. So it, it's 
incredibly exciting opportunity for Colorado to really um, take hold of this renaissance that's happening in Colorado right now. So you're so as CIO, uh, it sounds like a significant focus of your interest is growing this innovation base, if you will, in the state. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and um, for me, what's exciting about having spent all of my um, background in private sector and now going after public sector is that public sector is the new emerging market in my perspective because it allows us to really leapfrog where technology has been over the last 10 years and take advantage of enterprise solutions that um, Quite frankly, the private sector has been struggling um, and going through all of the iterations to really perfect, and we get to come in and actually leverage those things right now, which can be um, incredibly amplifying. So, you know, when I look at innovation in government, um, you know, some people think that that's a it's it's antithetical to think about government and innovation, but the reality is is that because there is such a, a green field of opportunity for us to be able to leverage technology to innovate, it's an incredibly exciting place to be. So, what are the what are some of the challenges you face delivering uh, you know technology value to your internal stakeholders and and then to the citizens of uh, of Colorado? Well, I understand we only have an hour. <laughs> uh, is, is that accurate? Okay. Um, so let me. I, I need to read an inspirational poem too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I, I think um, there's lots of challenges in government. I mean, it's hard. You know, anything that's kind of worth doing is is hard work. I guess I would say. Um, but there's, I think, three things in particular, and. You know, one is just, you know, changing the mindset and, and the aspect of change management uh, in government takes on a whole new aspect of um, the difficulty of that. Uh, last year, about a year ago this time, we launched um, Google Apps for Government across the state. So on 10-8, we light switched and 30,000 state employees started using Google. And this was coming from an environment where they had 15 separate email systems. Wow. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not kidding you. Like, I couldn't figure it out. People were, like, flipping out their cards in internal meetings. I'm like, what, 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 why are you giving me your card? Like, you couldn't find people. You know, and we had no chat. We had no, you know, hangouts. We had um, no in-document collaboration. And so, and, you know, one day we switched the entire state over. And, you know, this was probably my third or fourth email system migration throughout my career. So I'm like, hey, no big deal. It's just email people, right? No, don't worry. And you would have thought I went into their homes and took their children in the middle of the night. I mean, it was <laughs> it was crazy. People were just very, it was very difficult. And, um, and I think that it taught me a lot about just change management in general and that our roles as CIOs are more about not providing technical tools, but about really helping employees become more productive um, by leveraging technology that's out there. So th that's the first thing, just change management. It's no different really for any CIO, but I feel like in government it's a little bit more challenging. My workforce, it's a little bit harder because um, they, uh, there's a good st study out there that says 30% of IT workers in public sector will be eligible for retirement within the next two years. 
and that's a significant impact to the workforce and to be honest with you we also have a demographic challenge that um, a lot of our workers are trained in older technologies that are not used as much right I keep saying I'm gonna get you know t-shirts that say COBOL's cool really <laughs> Fortran Fortran um, bring it back um, so but the reality is is that that's a challenge and of course that you know I fight for talent just like the private sector does but I pay them a lot less and uh, so that's a big challenge for me and then just the sustainability of how people look at technology from a government standpoint we have we're just now um, passing a bill to modernize our ERP system that runs 70 billion dollars in financial tra transactions a year and it's 23 years old. Wow. Wow. So, you know, government gets an influx of money, they build the, the ginormously complex system and then it just gets old. And so I'm really trying to change this, the, this concept that that's not the way that we should be managing these critical systems that provide services to citizens. How do you, how do you implement a large system in the government and not have cost overruns and not have the kind of meltdowns? In, in this state, there, there have been, I, I'm in Massachusetts, there have been severe mm -hmm. IT failures uh, I was actually testifying at hearings uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago on this subject as, as an expert in IT failures. How do you, what advice can you offer folks like this state to how to do it better? Or how do you do it better in your own state? And not yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge problem, I think, across IT um, in general. Um, but certainly, I think it's obviously you can just look at the headlines, you know, over the last, you know, well, since October 1st um, to see that government really struggles in this area. And I think um, partly it's that, um, you know, we do have a political environment that makes it very difficult for um, organizations like state governments or even the federal government or local entities to move rapidly. And some of these projects are, you know, it's, it just is astounding to me. It's millions and millions of dollars to do something that, in my opinion, should not cost that m amount. And the time that it takes to implement is just elongated to such an extent that literally they're three to five year projects. And I mean, can you imagine? you know, how much technology has changed just in the last three to five years. Yeah. And so I think that's a big problem. Um, you know, government is not, is not um, well versed or educated or trained or experienced in enterprise IT. You know, the reality is the way government grew up was very siloed, was very program based. And so um, one of the reasons why I think I was hired was because I knew how to run enterprise IT for one of the largest companies out there. And they need talent from the private sector to come in to help to say, this is the way you do these things. Um, the other issue that we have is that there's a risk-averse culture in government and because everything is so transparent and so publicly out there, I mean lots of IT projects fail, right? I mean yes. that's that's not just in the public sector, it's private sector too. Absolutely. But private sector is able to kind of, you know, 
contain that and it's looked at as agile. You know, we changed the name. <laughs> we said it's you know this this fail fast, fail often. No, that's not a failure. That's agile. That's the new way we develop things. Um, we don't get that luxury because every time there's a failure, it's out there for you know God and country to to look at. But there are some things that we should be doing differently. We should be very uh, mindful um, about the limitations of technology and understanding that to build a system that can do something um, that you know uh, processes 70 billion dollars of transaction and we think well it could also handle HR systems and maybe it could wash my windows in the morning um, yeah that's a good idea um, and we put it in there and so we kinda don't give it a chance Sure. We um, governance is a huge issue, and I've really been beating the drum in Colorado about the importance of governance. Um, but it's possible, and we uh, we took a very broken system. Um, in fact, the other thing that I would say is the first thing that government does is that they they have this okay, swap it out, just get rid of the whole thing, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think we the rip and replace in government is really catastrophic. And so if we can look at figuring out how to take systems and actually um, you know evolve them over time versus this revolutionary approach to system implementation, I think that'll help because. Um, we do, you know, we, we took our Colorado Benefits Management System, um, which basically does eligibility across the most critical services, Medicaid, food stamps, welfare. And it was a disaster. They, it was underfunded. We, were, we had federal um, uh, fines against us because the system wasn't working. They went to implementation without a fail back. I mean, it just, it's, a, it's a horror story. Um, and so when I came in, you know, everybody was like, how are you going to fix that CBMS system? And I was like, what was what it called? <laughs> CMBS? What was that? Um, and so, you know, we, I, my CTO came in and we went out to end users and we sat down with them and we said, what does this system look like from your vantage point? We put together a governance structure with the agencies that were most impacted by this system. We put together an 18-month, very diligent, very accountable plan. And every quarter, we had to go in front of the Joint Budget Committee and say, this is what we've done. This is what's ahead. And that accountability has to be there on these big system implementations. So I mean, you have uh, experience running global IT at Sun. Global IT at, at, at Oracle, and 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 so, and I know you were scheduled to speak at the Dreamforce uh, uh, Salesforce event. So a pro cloud, um, you know, pro SaaS CIO. What, what what advice do you have to other big company CIOs who are faced with multi-year uh, um, um, innovation uh, roadmap and, and projects in terms of simplifying? And, and, and bringing the, as you said, agility into, uh, into delivering IT value in business. Yeah, so one of the first things we did is we actually documented um, very boldly a cloud-first strategy that our decision criteria was very clear. Is there a commercially available off-the-shelf SaaS product that's available to meet this need, um, such as the case like with Google? Um, and if there's not, then how do we partner with the vendor community to actually build that? Because one of the issues that we have in government is that there's not a lot of COT solution. In fact, it's kind of my frustration to the vendor community is that they, they don't 
sync R&D into public sector um, solutions, right? It's, it's keeping up this whole IT cartel that, you know, here I can sell you a Medicaid system for the price tag of $50 million, Michigan or Massachusetts, and then they go to the next state and sell the yes. same, same system. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's yes. the fleecing of American taxpayers. We've we got to stop doing that. And so in the state, I've been very um, aggressive about saying it's cloud for us because um, those, a lot, for a lot of reasons. For me, I moved from CapEx, the balloon of CapEx, to a more regular, more uh, for, for me to be able to forecast out into OpEx, right? I get to build innovation in there, so I don't ever have to be in a situation where I have a 23-year-old, you know, ERP system, <laughs> and I can't, you know, government doesn't really have any business of being in tech. I know that's probably blasphemous and um, before you tweet that out, just you know, tell me so I can I can prepare myself. But you know, honestly, that's where cloud is is just a, such a huge amplifier for us. It doesn't work for a lot of private companies, especially if you can have scale. But for government, it is a sweet spot opportunity for us. And you know, we I was brought into uh, the, there was a, these consortiums are, that are being that are merging around certain things to try to get to the shared services aspect. Hmm. And um, there was a four-state consortium being um, built for um, unemployment insurance. So four states got together. They said, we have all these old, ginormous, huge, ugly systems, um, and we want to build another one, huge, ginormous, ugly system that would have four states off of it. And that was the original idea. And I walked into the first meeting, and I was like, uh, we're not doing this. You, you know, if you want Colorado to be lead, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give it to the private sector to build a SaaS solution for unemployment insurance, not just for four states, but for 50. And that's if you and if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But that's the only way that we're going to lead. That's awesome. This is what you're saying is the most sensible thing about state government IT that I have ever ever mm. heard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's hard, though. It's hard. So, so there must be. I mean, so you're a social CIO. You're active on Twitter. In fact, your your, your appearance on our show was because of you know one of your your followers thought that you know we must be able to connect and learn from J. you. Which Holston, is we need to thank JB Holston. That's right. Oh yes. That's right. Thank, thank you, JB. That's right. So my, my so it's clear to me, and, and hopefully you can validate that. Having, a, as, as Mark Benioff would say, a beginner's mindset where you're open, you're interested, yeah. you're collaborative. If CIOs are not willing to engage and collaborate, it's harder to, 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 to inspire change, change agents no matter what size of the organization. How do you leverage collaboration, technology, mindset, culture to, to move the needle when it comes to these, uh, you know, this massive shift in terms of uh, you know what, what's needed to improve um, technology and government. Yeah, I think it's huge, and I will say that that's possibly one of the advantages that I think the public sector has over the private sector is because, you know, being in IT in the private sector, there's a certain um, kind of uh, cultural aspect about you know not wanting to share your dirty laundry for a couple of reasons. You don't want to you know mm -hmm. share your dirty laundry, anyways. 
But there's an IP aspect, there's a competitive advantage aspect to it, even when things are going well. And so I do feel like there's less collaboration in the IT community across companies in the private sector than there is in public sector. Public sector, we're like, hey, we're in this boat together, and how do we help each other? So there's tons of of connection, collaboration, sharing of best practices in the public sector. Um, some of my uh, best ideas and um, um, innovations come from conversations that I have across the states and quite honestly across countries about what are the unique challenges that we have within government and then how we, how we can actually um, really attack that and uh, approach that differently. So I think there's, that's one piece. Um, but the other thing is, is that I really think that um, there needs to be a, a, a more of a leaning in, so to speak, on how we actually look at collaborating at different levels within the organization to, to really seed out that innovation. And I think that IT in the, in the, in the historical sense tend to hit that executive layer um, around collaboration, around, um, you know, business relationship management and things like that. And we need to be much more aggressive about getting to that frontline user um, and collaborating with them because I actually feel like that's where a lot of the um, epicenter of innovation actually exists. And that's not different for the public sector, but I would actually extend it to citizens. And what's exciting to me about, you know, kind of the social mobile environment is that we actually can figure out how to connect with citizens directly and get that input from them on how government needs to change. We, uh, we launched the Colorado Innovation uh, Information Marketplace, and instead of doing kind of the typical transparency government website where they show our budget and nobody really cares, um, that we actually opened up data sets, not reports, but full-on data sets. And we wow. said, you could come in, and there was a social aspect of it, right? So you could rate a data set, you could graph it, you could download it, you could build a mobile or web app off of it, um, you can request a data set. So since we launched that, it's over 200% increase in the number of data sets that have been shared. And we're using this in really creative ways because, you know, when I came into government, it's like, you know, I really was like, how do we actually change government from the perception that it's only serving 47%, you know, according to Mitt Romney, um, of us to 100%? Because it's really our government, and it's our society, and it's our community. And I love the aspect of harnessing social and mobile to make government almost completely irrelevant in the sense that there, you don't have to go into a building anymore. You know, let's let's just open it up and say, like, what do you want from your government and what do you need and how do we actually make that connection very intimate with the citizens um, of this nation? So, Kristen, uh, we you've just received a vote to take from one of the people watching to take over uh, the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> from Ed, from our viewer student course. You Ed might receive a poem from President Obama. So I think we're, we're supporting that vote. Yeah, you yeah. got. I, I, can we vote for Massachusetts? Yeah, yeah we, yes, absolutely. Can we, can we yeah. mail our ballot? Yeah. How do we do this? You know, we. We we just ha we just have to we just have to do things differently, and we have to look at you know when that that system that I mentioned before it was nine million lines of code that we had to figure out how to get this into a more modern system, 
And it can be done, but it takes incredible discipline, incredible accountability, and incredible transparency. And for me, I don't have a dog in this hunt. You know, I'm not running for governor. I'm not running for mayor. I don't have, you know, any political interests, which makes it easy for me because it's like I'll fail and I'll go out to the Denver Post and say, hey, we didn't do well on this. Sure. Or here's where we need help. And I'll tell it like it is. And I think that's what's hard sometimes in looking at these these um, horrendously difficult problems that are affecting um, the feds right now. Sure. We have a question from Lauren Brussel. Lauren oh, yeah. writes for CIO.com. And her question to you on Twitter is, what is Colorado doing to foster innovation? With a follow-up question, uh, are the innovation labs? Oh yeah, great, great question. Um, hi, Laura. It's nice to um, interact with you. Um, so, in addition to Coin, um, we we are doing um, something where we actually um, understood what was growing Colorado's economy, um, and we identified that there's seven industries bioscience, aerospace, high-tech, telecommunications that are really fueling Colorado's economy. One great statistic for you guys out there is that I just read this, that for every one IT job, there is an amplification effect of five additional jobs that are created from every single IT job. And wow. so this concept of really looking at innovation, which typically is around technology, but looking at innovation to spur an economy is very, very important to us. Um, across the state. And so we actually went to our state legislature and looked for an advanced industries grant that would be specific for these seven industries and they are early stage grants. So one's like proof of concepts, one, one is early stage, one is around exportation um, and they're specifically there to try to incent and really ignite the um, entrepreneurial community across Colorado. And we have, I think, as uh, the question was about, really, how do we do tech transfer? So all of our universities, um, we're a very collaborative state. We're a purple state, so 30% Republican, 30% Democrat, 30% Independent. So what that does is it forces us to collaborate on a lot of different issues. And um, what the business community really wanted is for government, and this is what John Hickenlooper talks about all the time, that our forefathers, when they formed government, the intention of government was, one of the major intentions was to increase the ability for business to start and to get out of its way. And that's interesting, right? Because we don't think about government that way. But what are the things that we can actually help? And so we've helped to collect and convene and um, collaborate across the university systems. I mentioned our research laboratories. Um, bring them together to do tech transfer and to make sure that there's an ecosystem and community that can support that entrepreneurism in Colorado. And it's working. I mean, it, it's it's working and we're growing and there's this, um, this there's a fervor and an energy right now to Colorado. And it's interesting, millennials, um, Denver is the number one place in the nation for 25 to 35-year-olds uh, to migrate to. Wow. And and so the millennials are coming here because Colorado presents this opportunity where we can, you can work, you can live and you can play. And the reality is is that um that is that is this incredible vibrant area for innovation and so what government has to do is to be able to provide the right policies, very business friendly policies, you know, 
access to talent, which we just talked about, and then where we can help prop up businesses for them to be successful. We're doing something called the Business Intelligence Center, and it's the first of that I'm aware of across the uh, nation to connect the Secretary of State's office that does um, business licenses and registrations to the state and helping to have a one-stop shop. And we're doing this cool thing where we don't know how to build that. I mean, why do we... Uh, why does government try to think that we have all the answers? Doing like a appathon to say, what do you want out on the Business Intelligence Center? What would be most helpful for, for you? I mentioned the Colorado Information Marketplace. Just a, a funny um, story about that. So, you know, like I said, governments always go, I'm sure you're interested in our checkbook and blah, 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 blah. And the number one data set that's hit on the Colorado Information Marketplace is uh, black bear sightings. <laughs> so <laughs> I use that because this is why government has to collaborate. This is why government has to ask. This is why we need to be use the innovation that is available in the market and then really help to amplify that and enable that for a community. Wow. That's our role. Wow. This is amazing. Um, Kristen, I want to go back to something that you were saying earlier, and I want to ask your, on behalf of my wonderful state, Massachusetts, I want to ask advice. Maybe what we should do is make it more general. How, so, so we're not po pointing the finger at, at the state of Massachusetts, although honestly there's some finger pointing that is appropriate. We just lost all our Massachusetts know, viewers. Thank you yeah, very much. Exactly. <laughs> I'm competitive, so go ahead. Let's do it. Right. Let, let the bashing begin. No, I'm all kidding. Right. No, 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 no. So, so for a state that has, um, you know, traditional IT relationship with large system integrators, and I won't name any names, but what we're looking at you. That has relationships with large system integrators. It seems that the pattern just repeats itself of large project, over budget, yeah. well, let's just move on, we'll fund it more, now we do the next one, and we just, how do you, how do you break that cycle? Yeah, so I'm passionate about that. In fact, I'm, I think several people have heard me talk about like this concept of the IT cartel and that these system integrators are like covering, darkening the skies like the monkeys of the Wizard of Oz, right? And, and uh, and it's not good. It's not a good thing. Um, and and I think it's challenging because again, it goes back to: Do we have people in state government that actually know how to run enterprise IT, know how to implement very large scale projects um, that are very complex? But this is what I'm saying about: We have to actually change the the conversation, and it cannot be about that. I really want the vendor community to start looking at government. It's a huge, massive market, right? And I know it's a pain in the ass to do procurement with us. I get it. But if we don't start building solutions for government, um, what ends up happening is that we just customize. And it's it's not necessarily always the system integrate, integrator's fault, but that complicates it, right? Because you're asking a state CIO and, and, and local CIO or the federal CIO what they want. And they go back to the business, you know, situ situation of the health insurance exchange. What do you need? And they come up with these very, very complex rules. And then they build that. And they actually hard code that architecture into it. And we don't have to do that anymore. There's configurable architecture out there now. So we've got to figure out how we 
how we stop solving for the, the tail of the curve and start solving for 80% and build cut solutions for government because until we do that, we're going to continue to waste money. Projects are going to be overrun with millions and millions of dollars. Um, you know, I've always said the problem with government isn't that we don't have enough money, it's that we have too much. And we got to figure out how technology can really be the foundation for us to be more effective, efficient, and elegant. So speaking of innovation, and Michael talked about three impressive startups at the beginning of the show, do you work with startups? How closely do you work with startups? And, and what advice would you give to startup founders, CEOs, and owners who are looking to engage with, with the government to bring their innovation to market? Yeah, so I love um, startups and um, I, I'm a big fan and what I try to do is actually create platforms upon which they can actually play because, you know, back to Michael's point about, um, you know, the RFP, the average RFP process costs thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars for people to compete and so automatically by the nature of that we've actually made it prohibitive for startups to actually engage directly with government. And so what I've been trying to do is, in fact, in, in 2012, my CTO and I wrote a paper called the Citizen Engagement Platform as a Service. You guys can Google it. And it's all about how we stop duplicating and replicating across um, agencies, across cities, across states, um, and nationally, and create a platform upon which startups can actually play. And if we do that effectively, it, it opens up the doors to that. And that's, you know, that's what we have to do because that's really where the next ideas are actually generating from. So as CIO, as, from a CIO perspective, I'm very interested in that. And um, we've tried to make it as simple as we possibly can from a procurement standpoint. But there are some, there are some nuances, um, and that's a nice word because we're online. Um, there are some nuances of dealing with government procurement but there is opportunity because we do have, you know, kind of a master agreement with a, with a company and then they can channel to a smaller startup company. And so we have lots of those arrangements in Colorado where we'll say, hey, we're really interested in this new technology and yet they don't have a master service agreement with the state of Colorado. So can you get on one of our master services agreement so that you can be a channel to, to the state of Colorado? Um, and then the other thing that we're doing, which is, I think kind of cool is, you know, it's not just about how to start up scale, but how do these big companies like the Oracles and the IBMs and GEs and Coca-Cola, how do they start up again? How do we actually look at our nation and figure out how the big companies can be more nimble and agile and innovative? And then how do these smaller companies scale. So we're doing this cool thing, it's like Match.com for um, <laughs> companies and it's called E to E, so emerging to enterprise and it's, you know, and then back. And how do we actually match up big companies and small companies so that they can learn from each other and we're helping to facilitate that and through the process of facilitating that we're going to be able to get that um, innovative environment and entrepreneurial environment um, access to my team. Wow. So, so you are, so it's, so you're describing not merely a philosophy, but you have uh, taken this approach as a strategy and implemented it in certain types of procurement processes and other processes as you're describing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I'm not, uh, 
you know, believe it or not, I mean, I, I, I'm very technology agnostic in the state of Colorado. It's actually what public sector has that I think private sector companies don't have as much. If something doesn't work for us, we actually have not only the opportunity, but my mind, the responsibility to say, you know what, we've got to go in a different direction and constantly look at that. And then we do tech talks. So every, because I'm so limited on training and development for my employees, every single month or quarter we have a tech talk. And so we'll bring a cool new startup in and say, Hey, tell us what you're doing that's new and innovative, and let's let's create that dialogue with the public sector. You know, Michael, I think I'm going to move to Denver. <laughs> you know, like, uh, Yay! <laughs> you're going to have to find another place to do CX. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My brother lives in Boulder. I'll All right, yeah, ex I mean, there you have it. Exactly. It's it's not the type of conversation I was. Uh, it's not what I was expecting. anticipating from a government CIO. You're unbelievable. Um, so so what do you miss about the private sector? I mean, it sounds like you're having fun. You're transforming. You're delivering value. And and I wouldn't be surprised if you if you wouldn't receive a poem from the president. But but what what do you miss about running global IT at Oracle? I mean, a fantastic company, massive responsibility. Um, is is there something that that you want to bring? from the private sector to the public sector in terms of, uh, you know, IT organization? Well, I mean, other than the obvious, I mean, I miss money. I miss the money. I mean, um, you guys probably can't see this, but this takes some product. <laughs> it's, not, it's not cheap. Um, so I, I, I mean, I do think that the, the wherewithal to do things is I, I I miss sometimes the, the focus and the resources to be able to do the things that companies need to do. Right. I also, I actually love business and I love the competitive and not just competitive, but this constant drive to innovate. You know, you, you have to constantly push your, your business forward if you want to succeed. I, I miss that. Um, and I, and I think, you know, I, I think those would probably be the, the top two. Um, uh, that I would say, just you know, the resources to be able to do things, um, the 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 financial resources to pay people, you know, not just me obviously, but talent and um, development, and you know, you make a strategic direction, you know, a decision, and you go and do that. The other thing that I would say is is that there's a stability to the private sector that doesn't exist in the public sector. You know, when you have term limitations or you have you know, elected, you know, the governor, you know, has a four-year term, term, it's really, really hard to cre create a sustainable path that, especially from an IT standpoint, we can, you know, say this is what we've done, this is where we're at, and this is where we're going. Sure. Because, you know, it's, it's limited. Well, you know, we could continue this discussion for a long time. That was the <laughs> fastest 46 minutes <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, thank you so much yes, for you, uh, being a guest. I mean, I, I, again, both of us write about the show, and I'm going to have to figure out how to do this in less than 2,000 words. So <laughs> you were terrific. Well, I just really appreciate it because I'll tell you what, I'm actually fairly new to Twitter, and it was like one of those things I came home, I'm like, you know, I told my husband, I'm like, honey, I have like 10 followers now. And so you guys actually helped me quite a bit to increase my followership. Um, this, this has been fun. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I took this job because, like I said, 
you know, I think we all have to look at government in a different way. And I know for the state of Colorado and my employees, they, they feel it, they live it every single day. They are, they are public servants. And how do we as a nation, how do we as a, as a, as a country really figure out how to um, look at government differently and innovate and be that globally competitive nation that we once were. And I, I think back to the anniversary of JFK and, mm -hmm. and some of the things that he inspired us to do that were, were impossible. You know, he, he said, you know, we're not going to go to the, the moon because it's easy. We're going to go to the moon because it's hard. And if there's one thing I can leave to all of us, whether you're in public sector or you're in private sector or you're a startup or whatever, how do we actually look at creating um, a situation where we rise the tide of the U.S. so that all boats come with it? And um, I think that's, that's the thing that I think about. Well, you Incredible. have given us a lot to consider and your view of government IT is absolutely refreshing. Mm. Thank so, you. Thank, so thank you. you for taking the time to speak with us today. You're an extraordinary CIO. Thank you very and much. We wish Christine. you the very best. Thank you. You have been watching uh, episode number, guys, 36, 36. episode number 36 <laughs> of CXO Talk. I am Michael Krigsman with my delightful I'm just going to leave it with, with, the, with, the, with the beautiful and delightful Vala Afshar. Oh, How's that? Thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> Great show. Thank you. And, uh, and we've been talking with the CIO of Colorado, Kristen Russell. Kristen, thank you again for joining us. And everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye.